Well, church, we'll be in uh, the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 6. This morning, I'm going to be reading from the New uh, Living Translation. And uh, as as you find your way there, I I really want to just quickly speak to the fact that we don't have a cross up top in the worship center here anymore, and then there's a cross that's no longer, that no longer exists on top of our building. We are not moving away from the cross in our doctrine in any way whatsoever. Um, but the reason that it's currently down is because the insurance company is poking around, finding out what happened that caused the, the cross on top of the building to tilt. Uh, so a prayer point would be that they would come back to us and say, uh, yes, we will completely refund all the stuff that you had to do to remove that cross. So please be praying for that because uh, a church spending money on removing the cross is not what we want. Um, so. Red neon, <laughs> yeah. red neon cross up top. Sure, council member, if you would like to put that into action, we will uh, follow your lead on that. You can also talk to our council members about decisions that they're making in behalf of the church after service, if you'd like. Matthew chapter 6. We're going to be starting a new series uh, this morning, and we're going to be starting a series on prayer, um, specifically because we want to stir up as much guilt in you guys as we possibly can. (laughs) No, I, I... Listen, as, as we've been prepping for this series, um, and even specifically looking at this week, what what I've come across is that just about every single resource that you come across on prayer will initially have this statement that just recognizes we all feel terrible about our prayer lives. Um, no one feels really adequate <laughs> when it comes to the topic of prayer. Um, maybe Carol Slomka does. And, 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 but, but outside of... Outside of Carol Slomka, I think most of us kind of feel like uh, this is a subject that I don't have a lot of handle on, and when I think about it, I kind of maybe even feel a bit paralyzed uh, on, on the subject. Um, and, and I just really want to lean in this morning and, and initially just say, uh, if you're in that space, you are the perfect candidate for prayer. A people that feel like they don't have the right words, a people that feel inadequate, a people that look at uh, their lives and say things are uh, just chaotic right now, um, that, that that is probably a great place to start with the Lord, that, that he's not looking for someone that has life all figured out to then come and step into prayer. Um, you maybe noticed the posters that were... Um, temporarily glued around the perimeter of the worship center. Those posters are, are designed by an artist. His name's uh, uh, Scott the Painter is his nickname, but Scott Erickson. And he's created uh, these different pieces of art to help as a resource for all of us that have these different reasons why we find it so difficult to pray. Um, so each one of the different posters as you walk around will uh, have a common uh, reason that, that we have uh, for our lack of prayer. You know, everything from does it work? Is God interested? Uh, do I have the right words? You know, and, and you, so you just see, see a series of, of 12 different uh, posters outside. And listen, um, show up 
midweek, if you'd like, and just walk the perimeter of the worship center. Uh, maybe after service, and you just have some time that you want to just spend walking around and, and pausing um, at a poster. This, uh, I'll say it this way, this side of the campus is available to you. Um, the reason I say this side is because, uh, obviously, during the week, we rent to a public charter school, so please don't meander around that side of the campus. Park up front here and feel the freedom to walk around. And just I, What I really want us to hear this morning is, is simply this. Now is, and now always is, the perfect time to step into prayer. I, I think what I, what I immediately think of is, is the story of the prodigal son. And right there in the middle of the mud, realizing I can return to my father. And that that, that would be our same posture and recognition that we always have this invitation to come back to him. And that we, we, in our mind, can picture that story of the prodigal son and the father running after his child. So in those places where we feel like we don't have the right words or we feel like I haven't prayed in, in you know, a terribly long time, whatever, whatever position we would find ourselves, that that would be the image of God that would pop up into our mind. Him running after us as we make that decision that we are going to step into uh, prayer. Because listen, the invitation of prayer finds its, its wonder in the fact that a holy and awesome God delights in us. He delights in us. And that we would constantly discover that while life is chaotic, when we don't have all the answers, we feel terrible about relationships, whatever it may be, whatever position we might find ourselves in, that our Father delights in us. And, and maybe I also think about it this way, is when we step into prayer, I think often we feel like we're, we, we feel bad about the fact that we kind of look like beginners in prayer. If you've ever been asked to pray, maybe around the dinner table, or you've been over someone's house and they say, hey, Sam, would you pray? <laughs> this is that place of like being paralyzed, like, ah, oh, I wasn't ready for this, right? Then we all, a lot of times, just feel like beginners. And I think maybe the analogy that we can, can use this morning is that, you know, so many of us avoid the gym because we're out of shape. <laughs> and just how ironic that is. I don't want to go to the gym because I'm out of shape. And it's like, but that would be the one place that you should be in if you feel out of shape. And so the invitation to prayer is you feel inadequate. Well, that's a great place to step into. Um, my hope is, again, as we navigate this series, this is a simple, simple lesson. Now is the perfect moment to return to the presence of our Father. We'll, over the course of this series, cover all kinds of different expressions of prayer. We'll talk about lament. We'll talk about celebration. We'll talk about daily offices. We'll, we'll, we'll cover the gambit uh, of it all, but this morning where I'd like to start is with Jesus. Uh, I want to take us to the Lord's Prayer again in Matthew uh, chapter 6. 
It's been observed by many. Jesus prayed. Jesus often prayed. He often withdrew to a place of, of loneliness or isolation to spend time with the Father. And I thought about it this way, that it makes so much sense, doesn't it, that, that he would spend so much time stepping off to the side and in this place of solitude that he could spend time with the Father because where has he spent all of eternity? And so what we get a glimpse of when we see him step off to the side and spend time in prayer is that we get a glimpse into the way that Jesus has spent all of eternity. The Son connected with the Father. He, this is where he loved to be. And so the places in which we see him respond with such compassion to the crowds, the way that he teaches with such authority, the way that he can stop and rebuke a demonic spirit and the oppression that's taking place. All of these actions flowed out of his time spent with the Father. And it's like the disciples clued into it. Because what they did is that they came up to him and they asked, Jesus, would you teach us how to pray? Would you teach us how to pray? And it's like they were able to observe that you live like nobody else. And what we can conclude is because you pray like nobody else. And so we want, we want to learn of anything that we can learn from you, Jesus. We want to learn how to pray. And don't skip over the fact that Jesus gives them an answer. He responds to them. I imagine that Jesus is just filled with excitement and joy that this is the question that they would ask of him. Like, yes, I'll give you an answer to that question. There are times where I'm sitting in the living room and I'm watching sports and Larissa will come in and she'll ask me a question that completely stuns me. It's a question of interest. What's going on there? Why are they doing that? And, and I stop and I look at her and it's like, you really want to know? You really want to know about what I'm engaged with, right? You want to know about basketball? Are you sure? Yeah, I'll talk to you about this. And it's like the disciples ask, and yeah, you want to know how to pray. That is my favorite subject to talk about. I would love to give you an answer. And Jesus then gets very specific. Pray, pray like this. And the other fact that you shouldn't skip over is that Jesus then, by saying, they ask, teach us how to pray, that he gives them a response, like with this expectation that they can actually pray like he prays. That Jesus actually envisions for us that we would be able to pray like he prays. 
That should be so encouraging for us that Jesus actually imagines that we would be able to step into prayer like he steps into prayer. He gives him a response. Yeah, I'd love to teach you. In Matthew chapter 6, there's two places in which we we read of this Lord's Prayer. One is in Luke chapter 11, but we're going to read in Matthew chapter 6, and it says this. Pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who have sinned against us. And don't let us, don't let us yield into, uh, don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. I actually want to start with give us today the food we need. And why start in the middle of the prayer? It's because I think that that's often where we start in our prayer lives. And I don't want us to feel bad about that. That we, that's often where we begin engaging with the Lord in this place of request, in this place of coming before him and just crying out, God, this is what I need in life. And, and bluntly put, I'd, I'd much rather you come before the Lord and begin to ask him to fulfill these, these desires that are within your heart rather than trying to fulfill them on your own. And, and, and part, it's just part of the developmental process that we would begin in this place of asking God to fulfill our needs. And we should go through that developmental process. Yes, it'll be good to eventually get into a place where we're coming before the Lord and, and, and communicating with him and communing with him in more than just bringing before him our needs. But if that is where you are at, then by all means, start there. Come before the Lord and let him know that your storm is really big, that you are hungry, that you do need him to show up. Here's here's what I discovered as a new dad. Babies cry a lot. A lot. That they come into this world and that seems to be all that they do. Here they are, and, 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 and part of the developmental process is they cry because they're completely dependent upon somebody else to fulfill their needs. That's where life begins. Life begins in that crying out. And that is the only form of communication that we know. We don't come out of the womb just looking up at our dear mom and saying, I love you so much. We come out wailing that we're hungry. We come out shouting. Every two hours, there's just wailing, right? It's just like this. There was just constantly be crying and crying. And 
but we are absolutely adored and loved. And our parents would just stand over us, and they would just be filled with delight and adoration for us. And we return the favor by just crying at them and crying at them and crying at them. But that's part of the developmental process. Eventually, we get the vocabulary and the ability to have more of a relationship than just the crying out for our needs, but let's, we, we must go through that developmental process. So it's okay. Let us start at that place of saying to the Lord, give us our daily bread. The point in the prayer that, that Jesus starts at is by these two words, our Father. Our Father. In the Gospel accounts, you see a relationship constantly described by Jesus, and it's that of the Father and of the Son. The Father and the Son enjoyed a, enjoy a relationship that is incomprehensible for us. Every relationship, every relationship that I've ever had, currently have, will ever have has some point of tension, has some points of disagreement, misunderstanding, unfamiliarity that's a part of it. And when we look at the relationship of the father and the son, there is absolutely no point of fracture or disconnection. There's no weak point in the integrity of their unity. What exists in this relationship is no fear of rejection, no abandonment, no hostility, no selfishness. And Jesus instructs us to pray. Our Father. And it's an invitation to say that that same intimacy that you were constantly floored by that that is the way that I want you to see your relationship with God. On, on our vacation uh, a couple weeks ago, I stood on the edge. There was a fence in front of me, but um, I stood on the edge of a, of a waterfall uh, at the Yellowstone um, Canyon. And I'm a person that is scared of heights. I, I do not like heights at, at all. I'm trembling and I'm shaking as I'm standing here in front of this waterfall, just looking at the, the depth that, that this is, is dropping into. And in that moment, I wanted everything within me wanted to shrink away. Everything within me wanted to pull back. But it was in that space that I felt compelled to stop and to turn that moment into prayer. I, I felt this moment in which I, I was looking here and completely trembling to stop and just in this, that space to stop and reflect on, God, I, I'm so overwhelmed by the power of this water surging down this mountain. Everything within me wants to step back, but I'm just going to take a moment and I'm going to reflect upon how powerful you are.
and just try as best as I can to actually lean into this fear right now. And I did for like five seconds, and then I stepped away. The picture that we get constantly in Scripture is that a people that are initially, when they come and step into the relationship of God, is that point of absolute fear and trembling. Is that absolute, it's that point of just being so overwhelmed by how good and merciful and holy God is that, that humanity trembles in his sight completely overwhelmed, completely undone, right? Every time that even God's messengers arrive in front of humanity, the very first words out of their mouth are, don't fear. Don't fear. I'm here for your good. It's the space of praying our Father where we would be in this place of just realizing how incredibly powerful God is, and have Jesus come alongside us, stand next to us, put his arm next to us, and say, Father, Father, this is the understanding you need to have. This is the mindset that you just want to get settled into your heart. Let me help you understand who it is that you stand in front of. Father. It should be absolutely astounding for us that God is filled with such delight to see us and consider us his own. Like the picture that I get is of Jesus coming out of the waters and of baptism, and, and, and God can't help, the Father can't help but to exclaim out loud, this is my dearly loved Son who brings me great joy. Jesus is teaching us this this is how I want you to approach your father. This is how the immediate picture that I want you to get when you step into prayer. He is absolutely floored. He's absolutely delighted. He can't help but to shout in exuberance and in, in ecstatic joy that you are near. After this, Jesus teaches us. We won't go through the whole prayer. This is probably the last place that we, we get um, to. But Jesus then teaches us to pray, may your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth. And one of the effects of prayer is that our desires begin to shift. That as we spend time with God, that it makes an impact on who we are that we would come before him and that we would discover that as we spend time with him, that our hearts begin to beat for the same things that his heart beats for. They would become like him. And what I've, what I've begun to do in, in trying to daily pray the Lord's Prayer is, is by doing this, is that when I come to the point in which I pray, 
may your kingdom become, may your will be done on earth, that I would place my hands over my own heart and understand that I am a part of the earth that I am praying for his will to be done on. That I'm coming beforehand and, and I am openly saying, God, right here, this patch of soil, this patch of dirt, when I say, may your kingdom come, may your will be done on earth, I'm saying, let it start with me. Let, let this be the place that your will is done. May, may my life be open to the way that you would want to show up in this world. May this, may this be the patch of dirt that sees transformation. May this be the patch of dirt that's completely aligned with the kingdom of heaven. May this patch of dirt be completely lined up with your will. That we begin to, to look like him as we spend time with him. There's this incredible story about um, Sister Therese, Saint Therese. She begins to reflect on a, a, a nun that she was completely annoyed by. And she tells this story. A holy nun of our community annoyed me in all that she did. The devil must have had something to do with it. And he uh, was undoubtedly, it was he who undoubtedly made me see her in so many disagreeable points. I did not want to yield to my natural antipathy, for I remembered that charity ought to betray itself in deeds and not exist merely in the feelings. So I set myself to do for this sister all I should do for the one that I loved the most. Every time I met her, I prayed for her and offered, God to, her, offered to God her virtues and merits. I felt this was the very pleasing to our Lord. There is no artist who is no gratified when his works are praised, and the divine artist of souls is pleased when we do not stop at the exterior, but penetrating to the inner sanctuary he has chosen, admire its beauty. I did not rest satisfied with praying for this sister who gave me such occasion for self-mastery. I tried to render her as many services as I could, and when tempted to answer her sharply, I made haste to smile and change the subject. For the imitation says, it is more profitable to leave everyone to his way of thinking to give way to contentious discourses. And sometimes when temptation was so severe, I would run like a deserter from the battlefield if I could do so without letting the sister guess my inward struggle. One day, she said to me with a beaming face, my dear sister Therese, tell me at what attraction you find in me. For whenever we meet, you greet me with such a sweet smile. Therese reflects, oh, what attracted me was Jesus hidden in the depths of her soul. <laughs> Jesus who maketh sweet even that which is most bitter. After Therese's death, death this sister reportedly said, at least 
I can say this for myself. During her life, I made her really happy. <laughs> That's the goal. That the formative work that would take place in our prayer would be that we would be one with God, like the Father and Son are one. That his character and his nature would begin to rub off on us because we just sit with him in his presence. Again, the invitation this morning is just really simple. Now is the perfect time to, again, just hear his invitation that he delights in us. And so those moments in you know, which we feel like we don't have the words to say, we feel completely inadequate, my prayer life is terrible, I don't know where to start. Now is that perfect time to re-engage. And like many of you, man, I get distracted when I pray. It is when I sit down to begin to pray that all of the to-do lists come to my mind. It is when I step down to pray that I realize I am really thirsty, I should go up and go get something to drink. It is when I sit down to begin to pray that the boys begin to fight with one another. It is often in prayer where I am most distracted, but what I have come to learn is that a thousand distractions during prayer is a thousand opportunity, opportunities to return to my Father. And so as we move to the Lord's table this morning, again, it's in that context. You would again see an invitation to come near him. You would come and you would again see an invitation that he longs to be with you. He delights in your presence. So on the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and he gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it into pieces and said, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people. An agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me.